0: Welcome to What Do Buildings Do All Day, a podcast about the lives we all live in the company of buildings. This is a particular edition of the podcast in which we are in the company of two recent books about architecture and specifically about buildings in Dublin. The two books up for discussion today are The Dignity of Everyday Life, celebrating Michael Scott's Bosaris, written by Ona Bryn and photographs by Mal McCann. The book is designed by Stuart Coughlin and it's published by Marion Press. Our second book is the Dublin Architecture Guide from 1937 to 2021 by Paul Kelly, Cormac Murray, and Brendan Spearin. It's published by the Lilliput Press and it was designed by Eamon Hall. To discuss the books, I have David Kapner, who is an architect, educator, and writer, and a lecturer at the Belfast School of Architecture. He himself has just published a book this week as part of Annex, a six-person team who made Entanglement, the National Pavilion at the 2021 Biennale of Architecture in Venice. The book, States of Entanglement, Data in the Irish Landscape, is published by ACTAR and it's designed by Alex Singh. Also with us is photographer and educator Noel Bowler, who studied at the Belfast School of Art and is currently a senior lecturer in photography at the University of Suffolk. Noel's photographs, exhibitions and publications continue to look at the ongoing consideration of the political forces that shape our world, reflected through the organisation of social space. Made over a six-year period, Noel's most recent book, Above the Fold, is a series of photographs taken in some of the most respected and recognised newspaper newsrooms from around the world. The book was designed by Robert Farley at Post studio and published by Rare Editions. So first up, we're going to have a chat about the Dublin Architecture Guide. And maybe David, you'd start. I mean, we would have thought, I think by now, that Dublin would have had an architecture guide like this already but it seems to be a kind of first edition in more ways than one.
1: Yeah, absolutely right. I mean, I've not seen a book like this that kind of captures a variety of different buildings across Dublin, not just maybe the kind of greatest hits, but some kind of surprises and some interesting buildings from well-known practices who maybe once are well-known when they designed those buildings. So it's really nice since you gave me a copy to review. I've been recommending it to lots of students who I teach. And I think beyond that, it'll be really interesting to architects and non-architects alike. Kind of acts a bit like, I suppose, a rough guide to Dublin's architecture. I'm a big fan of the book.
0: How does the book work? I mean, is it structured as a kind of a traditional guidebook?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's kind of familiar layout. It's broken down into areas of the city, and I can't quite remember exactly what the radius is that they use as a kind of boundary for inclusion in the guide, but there is a radius that if a building is within that, then it gets potentially allowed into the guide. Um, So the index breaks the guide down into geographic areas of Dublin, which is kind of useful. There's a few little, uh, nice little pieces of reading in there as well from uh, Jonathan Sergson, who writes a nice introduction. And there's a couple of interesting little bits of text in there as well about, I guess, maybe something that Noel can speak to as well, the kind of ideology that the authors um, decided to take on how and where and by what means they might take photographs as a kind of critique, I guess, towards maybe some architectural publications that maybe sort of fetishize the image. I don't know quite to what extent. That has been successful, but that's certainly an interesting point to discuss.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think they, they mentioned that in the opening essay where there was a, a desire, I suppose, to present the buildings as somebody might encounter them today, rather than resorting back to archival photographs or even photographs taken when the buildings were complete by the architects, when the buildings look shiny and new. I don't know, Noel, do you have a, a view on that in terms of how the you know the buildings have been portrayed? Because effectively, there's one photograph per building in the book, so they are like these portraits of the building.
2: Yeah, I think that's one thing that I was drawn to with this. This is one of those kind of few books that gives the photographs space to, in some way. And what I mean by that is they're not, you're getting a nice area of white around the photograph. The text is minimal in size compared to the photograph or it's of equal size. And a lot of times we see this kind of, this kind of design where text competes with photography in some way. I really like it. I like the fact that these are... In some ways what I would call kind of living building photographs. You know I've always had this thing about architectural photography that you know, David just said there about this kind of over fetishization of the image and post-production and it's showing, it's always showing something to me that it doesn't feel like that a building is lived in. It's showing something kind of structural and for me what my interest in this kind of work is always about the living. It's the effect that people have on the place or effect perhaps that the building has not people and vice versa. And I think with these images, you do get, you get that relationship, you get that relationship that this is kind of a living, functioning building.
0: And David, you mentioned the essay by Jonathan Sergison, and there's a, there's a, also a kind of accommodation or short essay by Dermot Bannon in the book, and then a text by the authors themselves. I mean, how do they start to link or stitch together?
1: Well, maybe Sergison's essay doesn't necessarily do that it perhaps maybe acts as a kind of more more sort of typical introduction it's titled notes on a recent Dublin architecture so you know he 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 talks about a kind of openness in the city towards not just encouraging local local architects or architecture and suggests that Dublin in that regard is kind of outward looking in its in its desire to produce new buildings talks a little bit there about kind of the the influences of Nordic architecture maybe we'll get to that when we talk about Bessaris and Louis Kahn and and others but yeah I mean I I wonder whether maybe there could have been a few more a few more longer pieces of text in this book to give a little bit of a little bit of commentary you know someone like yourself and maybe us because we were sort of familiar with a lot of these buildings but I think the beauty of this book is it's it's really easily accessible and you could easily give this to someone who isn't isn't an architect who is just interested in the city and interested in the fabric of the city and perhaps some other commentary in there would have been nice but I totally agree with Noel's comment there about just the generosity on the page towards the image I guess I still have questions around to what extent an image can capture what Noel's talking about there which is the kind of everydayness the the, the event or the duration, the life of the building. But but that said, the images I think are really really nice, and they do capture just something of of the way you might encounter the building. Should you go there? Should you go there now? I mean, perhaps they'll update the book in ten years' time with new photographs.
0: <laughs> well, I think the intention is that that hopefully the book is a living a living book. Now that it's finally here, I think the the hope of the authors is that it will get updated and refreshed. But that's good. I mean, our second book is a hardback book. It's kind of a different book, maybe altogether, which is the book, as you said, David, on Bosaurus, which is celebrating Michael Scott's Bosaurus and the dignity of everyday life, as the title says. Or the book is about this building, which is often, as we know, a controversial building in Dublin and has been since construction. It contains, I guess, two parts, which is Oris McDermott and Bosaurus, and it was built between 47 and 53 and as they say in the outline of the book, it was a kind of a socially ambitious building with a crash, a theatre, a rooftop restaurant, and of course, access to buses to travel across the city and across the entire island. And the book is two parts, a text and uh, a series of photographs. And David, maybe it's, it's not that often we get books of this heft and scale about single buildings in, in Ireland in our history. So if we've just looked at a building which seems to also, or book which has also been quite rare in terms of a compendium or a guide to a collection of buildings across a specific time in a specific city. These kind of single books are also unusual.
1: They are. I really I really enjoyed this book on a number of different levels. I suppose as a blowing to the island of islands and maybe someone who is still kind of unfamiliar with some of the narratives and the stories that exist around some of these iconic buildings, although very aware of the Cyrus as a, as a building, having been a user and an observer and interested in it. This book kind of really opened up a new territory for trying to understand that building visually. I thought it was really, really nice in as much as there are, there are familiar images that, that those, who, those who go through Dobbin regularly will, 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 will recognize. And then there are also really unfamiliar images of spaces and places that exist within that building that I didn't know, I didn't know existed. And just lovely, lovely images of details, which I think speak to the generosity of the vision of those, not just the architect, behind the building. But what I, I really appreciated about this as well was it, it sits the building within the, the social, political and cultural context and tries to speak to, and this is up for discussion, I guess, but tries to speak to the building and the style that it employs within a history of, of a, an emerging nation, of a nation trying to express itself with a style that's, perhaps sought to break from historical colonial architectural forms and styles. And I think that's really interesting because it celebrates something quite mundane, which is infrastructure, which is transport, but it does that as the title suggests with a kind of sense of dignity as well and a very sort of human scale. And I think a lot of that comes across in the book so visually, really, really nice. And also a lot of text in there. Perhaps people won't agree with all of it. It's it definitely is spoken from a, a, a certain place and perspective as we all do so. But I really, really enjoyed seeing the history of, of that building placed within a kind of desire to express something about what it meant to be, to be a, a, a new, emerging, different, I don't know what the word is, but uh, a nation that is kind of relatively recently broken free from the kind of shackles of, of a colonial force.
0: I mean, given the author's, uh, you know, political uh, position, I mean, Ona Bryn is obviously housing and heritage spokesman for Sinn Féin, which is the lead opposition party. I think you're right that the book is situated politically. But beyond the political party connotations, it does start to put architecture, as you say, in a, in a wider political context, which is simply that architecture emerges out of all kinds of social economic and other conditions and they are made buildings like this are made by people for people and through kind of people-led social and economic processes. Do you feel that kind of political positioning of this building in that way is useful and kind of deepening our understanding of it? Um, Is it kind of a new way of reading about it? Because other authors have touched on that but do you think there's a perspective because it's written from perhaps even outside architectural history and from outside academic architecture or even architectural practice, that there's a different point of view being being put, put across here about the building.
1: Yeah, I mean, perhaps that, that's why I find it a really appealing book, and I, I think perhaps it, if you know it sits within a discourse around that building, it will contribute to that because because the author speaks from the position of a politician with a particular standpoint and view, and I I think I think we can talk more about buildings like that. So. I really enjoyed that perspective. I think a lot of other people will too.
0: The text is written in the first person, which also lends it a kind of charge. And I think the author is quite honest in his recent discovery of the building back in 2019 in terms of an open house visit with the Irish Architecture Foundation and writes about that quite clearly. And then from that personal position starts to unfold a a new relationship. So I think that the text from that point of view, from moving from a personal to political position is quite compelling.
1: Yeah, what I mean, he begins, I love the way it begins with, with the nature that for him, this building was unseen and it was only made visible or he only began to see it properly after this or the tour with Open House. And I really like that because there's, it speaks to something about the familiarity of a building that people use regularly. Some people every day it has a kind of seemingly ordinary mundane programme as a bus station i know it does much more than that but that was that was i guess that kind of spoke to a little bit of of how i've always i mean i suppose that building has been unseen for me i've always known about it It has has a presence in the in the city it's still one of the tallest buildings Mm. on the skyline i mean i was walking down the south side of the liffey just this week and as you kind of as you come to the kind of there's a slight kink in the in the liffey as you as you get to Temple Bar area, and and there it is in the distance. Um, it has this kind of presence in the city, and I just love I love the way the book reveals elements of that building that even I guess uh, many who are, who are really familiar with it, even with its architectural history and its design history, will have never seen before. And it also the, the book also brings voices into the narrative of people people who are who who work in the um, who work in the bus station as well. Um, and I think that's really, really nice to hear hear the users' perspective. It maybe would have been nice to have some some uh, other perspectives as well. Maybe people who don't like the building, but um, I'm sure those those voices may be carefully edited. But it's really, really nice to hear uh, hear that. That's perhaps unusual in an architectural or a book about a a, a building. Maybe mm. maybe we could do with more of that in books about architecture.
0: Yeah, it helps it helps remind us that the building is a living thing, which is currently alive and kicking in terms of use and has has a has a future planned. What did you think, No?
2: Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed this. I think the, the, the what I really liked about this is, is the premise of this where he talks about, I think as Dave was saying, where he opens about talking about ordinary people kind of just walking past buildings on a daily basis and, and not engaging with them. And that's something that really kind of resonated with me. And I think any any message around that, around how we engage with what what already existing buildings I think is important. I'll be a bit more critical about the visuals, in my opinion. For me, there's, if we look at the photographic sort of the composition and the layout and editing of this book, there are there's a lot of, kind a broad range of photographic styles here. We have the sort of the composed details, we have those super wide exteriors that seem to kind of bend the frame of the building a little bit. We see have some sort of classic documentary elements, the the homeless tent out front. To that, and then sort of portraits of people in the building, and for me it seems a little busy or a little confused visually about what it is it's it's trying to say, and I think this is not this is nothing to do with the mechanic's pictures at all. I think it's more it's it's the layout of this, and and for me I wonder who the audience is in this book or who it was aimed for. You know I like I like the elements within this book, and I think all the elements are there. I just think the design could have had to reconsider. And I think if you've let those pictures seem to be kind of bombarded by text, even the lovely architecture plans as well, there's not much room given to them for a viewer to be able to digest those pictures. And I think that's kind of, I I feel slightly disappointed in that a little bit. I think that it would have been nice to see McCann engage with that building. The sense I get from the images here is that they were made to support a text and not made to photograph a building or engage with the building in that sense. I'm not sure if that makes sense to you, but that's kind of that's the feeling I get from this.
0: I think one of the challenges around documenting an existing building, particularly one that is let's call it elderly and also one that is in need of attention is that the photographs can either take a position on that and show the building in its current state but in a way that is not necessarily um, undermining it or critical of the building or or else sort of point to the deficits of the building. And I know you can kind of take a a personal view on this. My concern with some of the photographs is because of the, the variety of them and because of the, as you say, the way they were laid out, I wasn't quite clear what the photographer's position on the actual building sometimes was. Was this simply a record of things in the building or was it like here are things which are valuable in the building and we're trying to understand them or give them some kind of context within the, the kind of unfolding unseen narrative which seems to be at the back of the book.
2: Yeah I think that's that's fair and I think
0: one of the one of the things I see with this if we look look at
2: photography historically especially in Ireland it's always played sort of second chair to literature to painting which you know it's fair enough we we, we understand why that is. I think this book mirrors that discussion in some way that for me again the pictures be seemed seem to have been delivered as a supporting document as a text in some ways uh, one of the things i always think about was you know for photo- photographs as were originally talked about like they were equivalent to a diagram or a map or a piece of information and would not have been considered to have been maybe wrought or crafted or pre-visualized in a way of a traditional work of art would have been um, and I think that that perception of that has changed. If we look at the work that comes, it's been produced in the gallery of photography and the library project, I think we understand photography much more in depth, the reading of photography and how the visual image is able to stand on its own. And then I, I think for me, the book reminds me a little bit in its design of these kind of old sentiments that the reader isn't allowed, isn't given the room to engage with it too much and that it's all really about the text in, in this.
1: I I agree. I think the book suffers from maybe a lack of editing of the image as well. It, there's a lot of repetition. I noticed, but yeah, there's there's a lot of. Uh, you're absolutely right. Some of the images seem very strange just from I guess the angle they're taken from. The perspective is distorted in some of them. I do really like the, the images of just people using the building. I, the kind of documentary style images and. I think there's perhaps something about how the images were curated as well and perhaps a little more care which is where the word curation comes from could have served the narrative yeah there could have been a rather beautiful narrative that would have been curated actually it's
2: exactly and i don't think this is for me it's 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 not the fault here of mccann or his images and i think it for me it it represents a much larger view of the visual image especially within ireland and historically and how we treat visuals within the book. I mean, our first book there with the guide has, has more space, sure, but I still would have liked to have seen each of those buildings had a little more kind of visual conviction, maybe seen the inside of the building, had more time to spend with the building. I, I, there's always reminds me of in Ken Grant's, there's a great quote from a, an essay by Ken Grant called A Seat at the Table, where he says that space portrays those who populate it. And I feel that all the time, especially with the work that I make, but I don't feel that we're given a chance as viewers in this book to be able to engage with the space so we can see who populates it. We're kind of interrupted every every step of the way.
1: Yeah, I I, I think that's really interesting because just flicking through the book here, the, going back to the Dublin Architecture Guide, you can probably count on one hand how many people are in these images. So on the one hand, you have this idea, this this philosophy of wanting to to represent these buildings in a kind of, in in the way one might encounter them, which I think is a bit of a ruse, but we can discuss that. But at the same time, these buildings are, are still staged in the image quite specifically, and there's very few people in or around these images. so. Yeah, I'd, I'd be interested to hear your views on that, Noel, the, the the difference perhaps between the intent of the approach that the the authors wanted to take with the image and this idea of trying to represent something that is as you would encounter it. Um, to what extent does that sort of ignore the fact that a, an image is always a form of a certain kind of representation that always meets a viewer in a certain way, and surely it's okay to let the image stand as a very specific form of representation rather than trying to replicate or reproduce how one might encounter the building if one was in front of it
2: yeah i think i think that's a that's a fair observation what i would say to that though is that it's it's about giving giving the viewer time with photographs giving the photograph space and it feels to me from this that photographically we don't need people in the picture specifically to say, hey, this is how a person sits at a desk. But what we could suggest is do we see evidence of people in the photographs, that we see coats hanging on the wall, we see pages on a table, we see open doors, we've seen worn carpets, that we're allowed, we're allowed to punctuate the page yourself with that kind of history, which I think is the point you're getting at too. I agree, I think you don't need to sort of pretend in a photo and say, look, this is what somebody would have looked like. But I think we need to give audience a credit too in the reading of imagery and to say, look, we can now unpick details and layers within a photograph to give us a better idea of maybe the use of this building. Maybe what kind of people do we think came through here? And as you say, that's not going to be a kind of a, a fact or a science because everybody who reads the image will see something slightly different based on their own preconceptions and ideas. But again, I think that gives that gives the building itself via the image also a bit of life or a shelf life in in some ways.
0: I think perhaps on that point it is to McCann's credit that the photographs used, as David has already pointed out, and you have two null are so populated and so evident of the building in use and the traces of time and and wear and tear are, are so explicit. I mean, one one point on, on the titling of the book, which I think slightly confuses me, is the celebration and the attribution of the book to one person, which is to directly to Michael Scott. For me, that seems to confuse this sort of discover the building for yourself and actually buildings are we know are completed and constructed and delivered and then occupied and inhabited by way more than one single architect. And so I'm not quite clear in terms of how the book is constructed, why it's necessary to sort of single him out, apart from the fact that he is the sort of cited author. But there seems to be potential in the way that certainly O'Brien has presented his essay to think, well, actually, this building is not down to one person it belongs to all of us and therefore the authorship of it should also be attributed somehow to the city and to the politicians and to yeah but I, perhaps I think
1: that's... I, I read I read the book as doing that actually the, philo- the sort of philosophy section at the end definitely speaks to people like Patrick Scott yeah. and a, a number of the artists who contributed as well as some of the sort of uh, political impulse and will that was needed and that, that took place to see the building through a number of difficult stages and yeah it, it speaks to their influences as well which I think is kind of interesting it tells a little story of how they visited Scandinavia but also how they visited the, the British festival as well which I, which kind of struck me as, as, as kind of interesting but, but a move that also speaks to this narrative about architecture or a or, or kind of a sense of national identity um, being expressed through through architecture and a certain style of architecture as well which i guess speaks to the moment that these buildings were constructed in technological advances but also ideological advances philosophical advances around how architecture can speak in a moment of post trauma or post empire in kind of clean lines so I read the books like I don't know. I, I I felt there were these other voices in there.
0: No, I mean it's the it's the title more than the actual content. That's what I mean. It's just maybe uh, maybe it's a it's a very particular point. But the one of the things that has emerged in kind of wider architectural critiques of buildings is the is a move away from the single attribution of of them to a, a single author simply because it's just not true. But I agree. I think in the book it is elaborated on, and I think it's part of the this wider political question of what a building is it's actually a, a collective endeavor across many sort of strands and factors
2: what, of society one of the one of the great things about both of these books is is their accessibility i think accessibility creates potentially some slight confusion for me about who the who the audience is and if there is a confusion like that it means that some of these elements in the book don't work as cohesively, potentially as they should. I think the elements in the book are really nice. I mean, with McCann's work, I do really like. I think for me, though, it was it's the assembling of all these elements that I think I think could have been potentially slightly different. Or already I like to have seen. But without seeing kind of a wider edit of the work at all or any of those decisions, then sure, who who am I to say? I like with I like where the book is positioned too. I, I don't think we can separate. O'Brien's politics from the book for obvious reasons, but I think he speaks to a different audience as well than a photographer or than an architect, and I think that can only be a good thing. Between both of these books, I think for me on a simple level, they represent a checklist for the every ordinary, everyday person to see what our city has to offer and to see what we need to keep or what we need to keep an eye on.
1: And that's that's re- a really good point actually to raise about the Dublin Architecture Guide. I think I can't remember where it is in the book, but the authors state that that one of the criteria for buildings inclusion, other than other than whether it was in this radius that they define or within the the time frame 37 to 2021, was that the building should be accessible at at the very minimum from the street to the public. But actually, many of the buildings they claim, I guess, other than the private houses and, uh, and what have you, but many of the buildings are actually accessible and can be experienced beyond the facade. Having said that, it does go back to your point, Noel, as to why most of the images in the book are simply just facades or external views. Very, very little interior imagery in the book of the buildings. But the, 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 the impulse is nice that this is a book full of buildings that people can go and experience and visit in one way or another. So I really, really do like that.
2: Yeah, same, same here. And I think one of the alarming things I, I realized was there, one of the statistics saying that only 11 of those buildings are protected out of the 255, or give or take, I might be have those numbers slightly wrong. But, you know, and I think that's what this book can act as. A kind of a voice, a checklist, as well as a guide for us. To, because we see some of the big builds and buildings and maybe the, you know, sites that are earmarked for a large brand tech companies and things that will make the news but a lot of the rest of them won't um, and they may kind of fall through the gaps as far as coverage. so i think anything like this that exists both of these books exist in a way to continue to involve people in the city in a way and to sort of enjoy it while also realizing what it has to offer
0: the dignity of everyday life celebrating michael scott's busaurus is published by Marion press and is now widely available and so too is the Dublin Architecture Guide nineteen thirty seven to twenty twenty one, available from the Lillibud Press.